Good afternoon. Today I'm talking to Rob Shepherd. Hi, Rob. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thank you. Yes, um, I'm Rob Shepherd. Um, I'm an author of dark horror, dark fiction. Um, I've got a um, number of books some people that may have heard of, probably not, um, some of which are Semi Animus uh, and the prequel, which is a book of short stories, which is Deaders, um, just behind here. Um, and uh, I've got a few, uh, a number of um, novellas and novelettes out as well. Um, and yeah, I've um, been doing writing for quite some time now, since it must be about 15, 20 years I've been doing it seriously, I should guess, um, and um, just enjoying it and seeing what, see what works and what people like. Did you always want to write? Um, I don't think I was aware that I wanted to write, uh, to be honest. Um, I didn't tend to think about it much, but when you think back, uh, you realise how much you tend to write um, not knowing what you were doing and such. Um, you write little things down and you, know, you write a, some sort of fantasy idea you've got and you say, and it'd always be thrown away. Um, but I never realised that I really wanted to do it until much later on. Um, you hear a lot of authors saying, oh, I've always wanted to write ever since I was a little kid and I've always been inspired. And, and I was always into something different. I was, I've always been into the weird things and um, doing things like that. So I was always more interested in that and I was interested in um, my academics of doing, you know, wanted to work in sciences and things like that. So I went that way. Um, but, you know, life plays its games and those things don't work out. And I ended up in a position where I was doing a regular job that um, I had time. And um, it's one of those things where you have to go to, you know, bad things happen and you um, find that writing was something that came up um, inadvertently really. And it was a way that I managed to cope through what I went through and, um, it's from there that really got started. So when you started writing, what made you take the plunge and publish instead of just writing for, you know, your, yourself? Um, it was encouragement of others. Um, I was really um, just putting out little blog posts, a um, bit of fun, um, up until that point, I'd only been doing the usual boring um, social media stuff at the time, or sharing videos and um, just laughing about comments and talking to people. And then um, I'm old enough to have, you know, I discovered MySpace and I used to put little blog posts up, um, started writing little diary, they'd started like little diary entries. And I usually, Kind of like a little competition. Um, I had a friend on on MySpace that uh, I used to talk to, and we were talking about classic horror, classic horror characters like Frankenstein and things like that. And they dared me to come up with an idea using as many classic horror characters um, as I could. Um, and so that's what started it. I started writing little. Um, diary entries um, and a few people started to read them and then um, start like them and started um, just encouraging me more and more and uh, until I mean, it kind of come to a natural conclusion um, but people wanted more from it and they one of them to a friend turned around and just said you should put this into a book, make this into a book. Um, I thought they were joking, um, but they weren't. And um, so I ended up 
working on it and seeing if I could make into a book and um, I ended up creating some sketches and some paintings to include into the book and then eventually um, I didn't know the first thing about publishing let alone self-publishing but I you know so I just asked around and I got told about lulu.com which is a player print on demand service at the time and so I went from there and it, it's started off and I got made my first book which was an A4 size because I had no idea about formatting and any of that so it was a A4 size pamphlet like book um, with size 14 font and everything and uh, it's a simple red cover with a title on it um, in black um, and I never really expected anything of it, but a few people started to take notice and encourage me more until eventually um, I started doing more with it. And that's what kind of snowballed from there. Um, that led me to my first publisher, which was um, a friend started up their own publishing company. Um, and I was with them for quite a while um, until um, I started with my current publisher uh, who are now in the process of re-releasing some work and uh, with new work in the process of coming um, not too distant future. Awesome. Um, were you a big reader um, as a child and into adulthood? Um, I'll say I was, but I wasn't a voracious reader. Um, I didn't read everything I could get my hands on, but there were things that I would always look for. Um, commonly throughout my childhood was always looking at um, natural, you know, natural world books, wildlife books and things like that. So I'd always have my head buried in a book about sharks and dinosaurs. And, and then that kind of led on to the stranger things, you know, um, unsolved mysteries and paranormal and I'll be reading those and about ghosts and everything spooky and crunching odds into those. Um, but I used to also, I used to love reading Agatha Christie, um, which I got from my mum. And um, then there was, I'd be, one of the things I said, I was pretty, um, Heart, you know, um, addicted to at the time was the adventure books, and I'll read those, and I'll wait for the bit, and then it'll say, "What do you want to do next? You know, what should happen next? Can you turn to this page for that." And I used to love those. And I used to go through. I used to go through the book four, five, ten times until I'd done every ending there was to do for the book, and then I'd take it back and I'd go and find another one, you know. But um, but I wasn't a voracious reader. I I just liked certain things. I got absorbed into certain things, um, uh, and it's son my son is autistic. Um, so um, when he was a child, he he's obsessive about certain things, and he obsessed about one certain thing, particular thing. And I think. Um, Oh, and looking back, I was exactly the same. I would obsess over dinosaurs and I'd obsess over sharks and I'd obsess over these adventure books and I'd obsess over reading um, Agatha Christie and then be, I would obsess over Arthur C. Clarke and Roald Dahl and, you know, um, but I wasn't voracious. I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't all, I'd love being in the library um, but I'd find myself there more or less because um, I didn't have a terrific number of friends. Um, so the library was, you know, a place to go um, because, well, why not? There's nothing else. So I used to go there and just keep, I'd, could, I'd spend all day there looking around until I'd have to sign a book out and then I'll take it out and then I'll be back within a couple of days to get something else. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, even now I've got loads, so many books that I should have read by now, but I haven't. Um, but I hope to get more prolific in my reading again soon. So, um, what made you choose to write in the genre that you write in? Um, I don't know if I chose to. It's more like um, I've found myself there because of my interests in everything spooky and horrifying. Um, and it just, I kind of found myself being there in, you know, naturally drawn to it. And um, I, with the exception of um, one of my books, pretty much everything of mine is got a dark undertone um, and some certain amount of foreshadowing and, or, you know, and they're all got some sort of twist to them. Um, so it's just a natural place for me to to be is in, is in the the darker fiction, building on the you know the horror and fantasy. Um, and what's your biggest goal as a writer? What's the one thing that you'd love to achieve? Um, I just think having um, being happy with what I've completed, really, um, being content with the work I've completed um, and having, just knowing that I can look back and see books that I've done very different lengths and sizes and what have you, and to stand, yeah, you know, I, di I did that. And if, you know, um, as I've said, I say to people all the time, if one person read, picks up a book, reads it and enjoys it, then as far as I'm concerned, I've done my job. I've done what I'm supposed to do, what I'll set out to, because um, I don't set out to write for people. Um, I don't set out for the looking at what people would enjoy to read. It's what I enjoy writing. Um, so I've got a thousand one plus you know an infinite number of ideas that come to fruition and don't come to fruition and um but i'll just keep writing and you know if something i enjoyed a particular story and i'll carry it out through to the end and i'll go on to another one at some point um but there's you know i don't go into it with a with a goal of how you know that someone section of uh, an audience will enjoy a book goes to write what I enjoy. And would you like to write full time one day? Um, it would be nice. Um, I think sometimes I write better under time constraint and pressure, but I don't, I certainly wouldn't want um, to have the pressure of um, deadline uh, and um, you know those multi-book deals that authors used to get and you've got to get them done by a certain deadline and I'll, I wouldn't thrive under that but I thrive under a certain amount of pressure a lot of it is um, either self-imposed or uh, a perceived um, expectation on my part um, if someone's asked me for a, for a story um, you know to supply story for them for their for their anthology or whatever it's um the pressure to deliver there and to deliver it on their deadline time um i put i put self-imposed pressure on myself to do it for them um and that's the pressure that i tend to find myself working best at when i'm i've feel um loyally bound to get some work done um that's you know um it's it's a pressure you know it's it's that um goal you find yourself needing to finish it like, i've got to do this because someone expects it of me and most of the time they do, they don't expect it from you it's not a problem you know because most for the most people i've said to lots of people before when i've provisionally accepted saying yeah i'll, I'll write the story for the the anthology sometimes I'm not going to be able to deliver so don't worry 
don't don't put me down on it. I'm not going to get it done in time. A lot of the times because I have um, ideas that I think are going to be great, which would be great for their anthology, but I end up taking too long with it and taking um, taking the story too fast, and it's not a short story anymore. It's becoming more of a novelette or a novella. So it's like this is not anywhere near done, and I've not got the time to start another one and get it completed. So I just drop that. But um, yeah, it's more of the self-imposed pressure that um, I feel and the the perception I have that people have an expectation of me delivering on a certain time, and that's that's where I thrive. Uh, do you have any no-go areas that you're that you'll never write about? Um, I think I, I used to. Um, now, not so much. Um, I think it's more of a case of recognizing where your core audience, um, how far they're prepared to go with you, how far they're prepared to follow you. Um, you've got to be aware of that you can only take your audience so far down a particular route in your work. Um, for some people, you know, some audience, some people, some writers, their audiences um, will only go so far into, for um, example, into like the fantasy element of horror. They'll only go so far before it's too fantastical for them and. Um, Others say it's only so far you can take them into extreme horror um, before they say, no, I'm not doing that. So I don't, um, there's not so much a no-go area for me. Um, I'll try things out and see what happens. If something, I'm not sure that my particular readership, I'm not sure that they would be into so much um, then, but I want the story to have a life and I'll supply it somewhere. I'll give it, it might go into someone else's um, anthology or something. So it's got a life somewhere. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting in the future because there are books coming out and uh, stories that will see life that do go to some very, um, some places that I'm not, It'll be interesting to see how far my audience are prepared to accept. Um, there's some not so nice themes going on or s scenes in books, so we'll see how far people are prepared to, to go with it. Um, but uh, you hear it a lot. We're, in horror, you hear a lot where a lot of the audiences, it's only so far they go and you find it used to be that um, a horror audience would be, they're happy to go, you know, no matter how extreme the horror is and how much gore there is in it, they'll go with you so long as um, there's no, you know, you, there's no, um, you don't, there's no uh, harm done to animals and children. Um and that was a big taboo for a long time. It's not, I don't think it's quite so much now. I think people have been preconditioned a little bit to it. Um, but I think for me, it's gonna be more the element of which you put it, you include that situation in. So if a child does get hurt or an animal does get hurt, it's the situation and, and, the, and the overall story. So when you add that, seen into that story and it, it I think it's a shock to the system um so to say it'll be interesting with some mind that have got themes like that coming up um whether they'll they'll um keep sticking with me or I'll get uh, abuse enough to go and I'll go back to where you were before be like that kind of thing <laughs> yeah but I've had um been scratching it the itch for of extreme horror for a little while so i've been gradually going back to older um style of classical kind of horror that i used to first got into when i first started writing seriously um which is mostly the the core you know um area of which i'll normally write in everything 
tends to stem from that. I I have a lot of um, uh, I say a lot of foreshadowing in my work and a lot of um, atmosphere uh, and emotional um, and um, in mind. So it, and the psychological is a bigger big aspect of mine, and that that's where I tend to set this. Doesn't tend to be a huge amount of gore. Um, a lot of it's implied. A lot of it is the looking over your shoulder. You're not quite sure. That uneasy feeling. That's tend to where I've historically been. But I wanted to stretch myself and see how far I can go before I'm like I'm done with this. I don't like writing this. And I've pretty much got there. Um, now I've done a few uh, long stories that I've. I'll scratch those each now. I've done the all-out accounts and things like that, so I get my old style and and um, just incorporate that into books that are coming out. What's the most interesting thing you found when doing research for your books? Um, research. I'm not. I don't tend to research like a lot of authors. Do you find a lot of people go, no, my Google, if, they, if the police looked at my Google search, I'd be arrested and things like that. I don't have a lot of things like that on my Google search. I've got questionable things on my Google. Don't don't make a mistake about that. Um, but um, I don't tend to sort of have an idea and go, oh, I need to research this and how this goes. Um, it's just things that pop up in my head. I think I want to include that into a story. So this, I think for me, it's more subtle research. That's not a, an intense research. Um, it's just looking at different things um, that come up. And a lot of my work is inspired by different things around me and just let my brain do its thing when I'm asleep and then, um, it replays parts of it back to me when I'm writing or it'll just some part of it will come out as I'm writing and that will come out uh, into the story um, but yeah in some things I've done on the last book with Deaders I did a little bit of research into um, chemicals chemical warfare um, just to um, to plot ideas for to continue to sort of put some explanations down and to sow the seeds for the final book in the trilogy. Um, so then you know, and I get ideas. And I say, oh, I'm gonna, it's gonna go in this direction. This definitely, gonna, and it's it never works out like that because it changes for me. It changes all the time. And so ideas where I might say, well, this is this is what calls this and this is who's doing it. And that changes. And so now it will be this is who's created. This is what these people have created. But it isn't necessarily the reason for all of this. This is part of the reason. Yeah. So but that, that was been interesting looking up. Um, those type of things to the chemicals that actually been used um, by um, Western governments in peacetime um, with the view of possible conflict and the view of um, enhancing their own, our own soldiers and things like that. Um, it's an eye opener. Um, so it, it was quite interesting because there were things in there that you know, um, in actual legal documents, reference things like uh, a zombie virus and um, how to create a chemical, um, effectively a chemical zombie virus that's controllable and things like that. And these are things that were actually researched and worked upon by um, military and government body so that, that was a bit of an eye-opener and interesting to read and um, even more interesting was trying to figure out how to pronounce the actual chemical names. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yes, having uh, studied or currently studying some chemistry. Oh, I don't know why they have to make it so complicated. Yes, the, one of the chemical compounds um, that I include um, a scan of the page. I don't include the people find a lot of it, you know, is blurry. And it's that for a reason, because it's obviously an author's um, field of work and research. And they don't want that splashed in someone else's book and you know, credit and whatever. And then obviously there's certain sections in there that obviously some people wouldn't want to be, uh, would rather not be known about. So, you know, you just kind of let it go blurry. But I was able to have um, some of the, the chemical compound um, names and one of them is absolutely um, impossible to pronounce. And um, but reading its side effects uh, was one thing, and then the intended um, benefits and then its use was um, that was kind of um, a surprise. But, uh, but yeah, that was fun. Doing it sounds that like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, who are your um, author heroes? Who do you look up to? Um, I would say I wouldn't say um, a hero or, or that I look up to this person off the bat, um, but purely um literary uh, wise then Lovecraft is a big influence and it's more of an unspoken influence um with the absurdity and the weirdness of um something occurring from nothing um but in terms of um admiring and aspiring to and things like that then um, Edgar Allan Poe is a big one. Um, Charles Dickens. Um, who else have we got? Um, classical authors. Obviously, yeah, we all get to some extent are, are influenced by people like Bram Stoker and uh, Mary Shelley. Um, modern authors, obviously, I'd be amiss if I didn't say that Stephen King would have an influence. You can't not be influenced at our age by Stephen King. Um, but in terms of absolute heroes in, uh, in lit literature, Clive Barker is probably the biggest uh, influence and hero because, um, you know, he's, he won't force his own path and in horror is broke stories like nobody else had ever written and ever seen before and it and just was like I'm gonna write this and tell with anyone who doesn't like it this is what I'm gonna do and that itself is um something that influenced me to say well this is what I write and you know you either like it or you don't it's um <laughs> but, but um yeah but it, it's also in terms of his, um, as a person, he's influenced me with his, you know, um, being, you know, his struggles with health issues and coming through those. Um, but also um, being, um, you know, openly gay in what was um, a very, at the during those times, a very heterosexual uh, environment. It was that's how it was perceived to be. Um, but being very open about it, being very open with people, and you know, inclusive, just you know, doesn't care who you are, what your background is, or anything like that. And that that spoke to me a lot is something that um, I never thought about, but was something that. I'd always seem to do myself. So it kind of 
that drew him drew me to him in itself, uh, along with his absolute you know mastery of the craft. Um, it was seeing that it's almost kindred spirit in someone else that you admire. Yes, you say, oh, I do. I do that, you know, it's seen the same mindset and not realizing that you had that mindset until someone voices it back to you and you're like, oh. And it's like, so um, you see admiration um, through for that. So, um, have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? I've been very lucky to have made a lot of friends. Um, and a lot of author friends. Um, I've been very lucky to get to know to larger or lesser degree um, um, some more well-known um, or uh, yeah, you know, some very stout, some well-established authors and uh, and some more well-known or famous authors. Um, I don't like to say famous, it's kind of not the point of being an author fame isn't the point of it but um you can't escape the celebrity of things everybody has to you know celebrity seems to work its way into everything but um i've been very lucky to get to know some very talented people that have um forged a career in in writing um that um as i say i know to larger or lesser degrees, um, but all have been very supportive uh, and encouraging, and, and uh, you know, very lovely people. So I feel very, very lucky and privileged. And do you get much feedback from your readers? Um, I tend to um, more on. Um, social media now um it's a lot of i've got more of a, a core readership rather than a wide readership um i've got friend author friends that have got i would say a very wide um quite a healthy readership whereas mine's a nice little cult group of people um, but they still give me plenty of feedback when they see something and most of it's been pretty positive. So, again, I feel very blessed and to some degree lucky that um, people have liked, those people have liked my work um, pretty much no matter what. At the moment, I seem to throw at them. They seem to enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, never shy to give um, feedback. Um, I don't tend to get the emails from people who've read my book uh, unless they previously know me on social media or whatever um so i don't get erroneous messages coming through saying i've read your book blah 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 this and um and give me feedback but um otherwise i get yeah i get quite good feedback from those from my um hardcore readers well would you consider writing in any other genres I never rule anything out. Um, I would, you know, it'd be stupid for me to say never. Um, I say certain genres are very, if not hugely unlikely, but um, not impossible. Um, it's just some genres would be either uh, of very little interest for me um or um even though i enjoy them i enjoy reading them uh just not within my particular skill set as an author um you know as much as i you know i respect authors that write in the genre i wouldn't be one that would be going into um erotic romance for example um, I have very little interest in it and there'd be no point me really going into there 
because if you've got very little interest in it, it's going to show going to show in your writing. So there's no point giving some trying to put something out that's uh, there's you know you've not really put any heart into. Um, on the other hand, I absolutely love science fiction, um, but I certainly wouldn't go into a full science writing. You know, going into writing a full science fiction um, book or anything because that's not my skill set. It's a I find that's a very particular skill set that I don't possess. The smaller details of certain things, um, I get bored um, going into detail on certain things. I'm I give as much detail as I feel readers need for you to understand um what's going on and to get the sense of the environment um and the atmosphere um and i say to and to try um i don't go into graphic detail of this very small detail because um while it's boring for me and i think it would be you can get lost in it and just bore your readers to death. Um, if you were stranded on the desert island, what three things would you want with you? What three things? Oh dear. Um, I would probably want as much um, liquor or spirits as possible that can um and i don't mind which way that how that occurs whether it be being washed up or or whatever uh, if it's if it's washable then i'm that's fine with me um something to um record some thoughts on to um however that manifests itself um there's a myriad of ways of creating it um obviously i'm not going to drop ideas down on the on the sand um not necessarily a, uh, a camera to take photos of what i've just written but um but yeah you can use sorts of all sorts of things as a pen and paper so um but so um suppose uh some music um be nice to have a certain amount of music washed up so music is always good for some ideas whether you know whether you've got the the um or, or learn the lyrics of the songs while listening it listen to them over and over again um the war is good um for ideas um and after that well um i don't know what else i could possibly want um that would be the mo main things i think i can't think much else apart from probably um if i was to if i was on my own it would be fine if it was an island that was populated by more than a few other people, then probably something to make a loincloth would be um, advisable. Um, I'm not too worried myself, but I think it'd be more of a shock to others than you know than the embarrassment factor to me. I think they'd be more embarrassed and um, and wanted to shoot them up their eyes than I would. What do you enjoy doing when you're not writing and you're not at work? Um, I tend to just bum around and do whatever I feel like doing. Um, I take the dog for a walk and um, when I get a chance, um, have a fast play with you know play play with the animals. Um, a lot of time is spent playing with the animals and feeding them. Um, it's not just a dog, we've got, you know, of course we've got uh, our cat, 
we've got two snakes, uh, a lizard and a frog um, to keep us busy. So we get, I get kept busy seeing to those. Um, and just watching, I go a lot, I go on YouTube a lot, watching, um, finding classic films to watch. Um, I watch a lot of um, reviewers, booktube, um, booktube uh, channels. Um, are, I'm always interested in reading them, not, you know, for the fact that I'm thinking that someone would be reviewing something of mine, but it, it's good to see what people are enjoying. I like seeing what books people have picked up and are looking forward to reading themselves or have enjoyed reading. And sometimes it can spark, that itself can spark some ideas that I might want to explore later on. Um, um, yeah, so they're top, top of things I like to just chill out with. Um, and are you working on anything at the moment and what's coming next for you? Um, I've got a lot um, on my plate at the moment. Um, there's a lot of things in the works, a lot of things that are part written, half written, um, things that are, are books that are, um, I've got a book that I'm reworking, um, which I'm hoping at some point to get to finish this year I'm not hopeful because every time I set that some sort of time it so um it would be nice if I get around to doing that um I've got a sequel um third book um to semi-animus um that is is the prequel that was the first book wrote I wrote that is is the prequel and there's be a third book coming it's um a third of the way in and um, with lots of things to um to cover and so that will be probably the biggest book of three um it looks like it's going to be a bit of a chunker especially for me I thought this one chunk and that's about 200 pages um and that's the largest book i'd put out to date and this one i think is going to be well succeed that um so that will be coming in the future i've got um a re-release coming um that's in the process of being um edited um reworked um from a publisher um that will be out this year um hopefully the next couple of months or you know see how it goes hope hopefully be next few months um so there's lots coming and so re-releases as um i've got a another novel novella slash novelette um that will be coming after the re-release um the re-release is i don't i don't know if i've got book here yes i have if i can do it without breaking everything that's the original book friends like us um i'd taken it down because it was being it's being re-released by my publisher at the moment um but um, because I've got old copies, um, obviously a few people were, um, were after really after the copies. Um, I gave a couple of couple of copies of this out um, with the understanding that it to be treated more like an arc version because there are issues around um, the formatting and the text in there. Um, some issues with the spelling um, that hadn't been corrected. Um, so there were some issues around Amazon's public um, printing of it. Um, but um, someone reviewed it um, on their channel on YouTube um, and, want, and emailed me to ask me if they could put it up and, you know, um, what's happening with it because they'd looked into it and saw that the, the only copies that were now available were 
at ridiculous price. Um, and I explained to him that I'd taken it down. Um, that's why. And that Amazon had this thing where any copies that they've already pre-printed in um, anticipation of some sellers sold, they allow so many of them that limited stock to be bought up and then you get a third party buying those up and when they know that it's limited stock, when they see the moment is no more available, they hike the price up and that was the reason. So one of these were up for $900. So um, to stop um, people being disappointed by getting by seeing the review and being interested in it and not being able to get the book. I spoke to my publisher and they agreed kindly that I can put it back up for a limited time whilst it's being reworked and um, reissued. Um, once the new version in edition is ready, then I'll take this back down and um, the new edition will go up. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the next one that's coming out. Uh, as I say, I've got a book coming out. It'll be come out and um, be released after that at some point. Um, hopefully not too long afterwards, but I want to space them out. So I don't want to flood place with a you know, sudden dirge of material because it starts to feel a little less I want the I want each time I want I release a book I want it to feel like a little bit of an occasion for people that have invested their time into into me and my into my work. So I want to make it feel a little bit special and a bit of an occasion for them. So I'm trying to space it out and hopefully um get some you know drive some interest uh, and excitement in that time. Um, but there's plenty of work to come in, Tom. There's, um, there might be some gap, fair gaps in between, but um, I, I won't have stopped working, just won't be as fast as some people write. Um, you know, that some people, some friends of mine that are very accomplished authors, and absolutely prolific and how they put out the work they do I have no idea and, the, and the, every every piece they put out every short story every novella every book is of such incredible um, quality uh, it just astounds me that they get out so many it, it whilst having that each one being of such high quality. So I wish I could be like that, but I just like that I'm, I'm a mood writer, I write. If I'm not in mood, I won't write, I won't bother. I won't force myself to write something because I know, you know, you get some people say, even if you write for, you know, a couple of hundred words, you've got some writing done for the day to make you feel better. Yeah, it does for me, it will do for about half an hour or an hour and then I feel like crap. Um, because if I force myself, that's 200 words that are just going to be deleted again because they won't be worth my time. So I just, when I'm ready, when, when my mind's ready, I get down and I open up um, one of the files from my books and um, I'll start cracking and it will just, it'll flow when I'm ready, it flows. And that's when I know the, the quality will be there. It just needs polishing. And um, that's where I rely on um certain close friends um, that are in the industry and obviously my my publisher um, does a fantastic job of editing as well. Um, bless their soul, they, they have a lot of editing to do when they get to me um, because I'm so precious with my work that I say to them, you're going to, you're going to scream at me again. But um, yeah, you're going to have to cull this because I can't do it because I'm, I'm too pansy. <laughs> well, I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. Um, 
there could be lots of things I could I could divulge, but I don't think there are things people would really want to know about me. <laughs> um, but um, um, to say thank you for um, asking and invite me to to do this interview, and it's um, it's an honour and a real pleasure. Likewise, and thank you to Claire. Birkin from Tales on Tuesdays for recommending you as well. I'll give her Absolutely. a little shout. Um, I always um, the fantastic Darren. Um, highly recommend people checking out um, Claire Birkin uh, and the Bibliophile book pa um, book page um, books and things, and the, and check out the Tales on Tuesdays page especially if you're in this climate where you've been struggling um, with mental health, go check it out. Um, it's such a great thing that they're doing. And I've been very fortunate um, and privileged to have been, you know, been able to take part in some of their talks um, on there. And um, I enjoyed every minute out of it. And hopefully if anything, I've, said um in party during that has helped someone um feel a bit better um then um that's more than i could have hoped for and so again i hope everyone checks out if you do suffer from mental health check it out check them out they're they're there for you and they know exactly where to send you if you need you know more serious you need more someone, you know, uh, counselling and things like that. They know exactly the best places to go to. So, yeah, I can't speak highly, more highly of them. Yeah, I second all of that. They're amazing. I love it. Um, so just before we go, do you want to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can find your books? Um. <laughs> People can find all my books on Amazon, um, whether you're in the UK or in the States, Canada, you find, you'll find me on there. Um, you can also find me um, on social media. You can find me on Facebook. Um, you can find, I've got an author page. So you just search for um, official Rob Shepherd. You'll find me. Again, same on Twitter, um, Instagram, I'm on there, same handled official Rob Shepherd or Rob Shepherd Official. It's um, whatever they allow me to use on those. Um, they can also visit the, um, the publisher, my publisher's website at terratrack.com um, where you can find myself and all the authors at Terratrack Publishing. And you can um, find the books there and learn about more about books there as well. Awesome. Well, that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you.